All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping the gloves with John and Tim and JT. You should be our co-host more often. JT Miller joining the show. This is what, the fourth or fifth time it feels like you've been on the show? That's right. It feels like a bunch, but you guys are easy to talk to. I enjoy coming on. It's just, it's so natural when you come on the show. You're such a good, well-versed, just person. Here you know, JT, where are you at? I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, we come back here every summer. Got a house here. Um, just where all the, some of the other local pros are here. We have a good training group, good golf group. You know, this is home for us, so we'll always come back. Who do you skate with? Any pros in the area? Yeah, uh, Vince Trocheck. Um, you know, Brandon Sodlet. Brandon Sod lives a hundred feet from me. Um, John Gibson, uh, Matt Barkowski, and uh, a couple of really good young players. That Logan Coley, who just got drafted yeah. third overall. Um, I hadn't skated with him like at all, and. Um, he has like the same agent as me too, which I had no clue. And um, he's over at World Juniors right now. But him and his brother skate with us, and a couple other good young players too. It's a fun group. Let me ask you this, because I lived in Traverse City, still do. When I was in the show, how important is it to train with guys who are good? Because I I would train with people in Traverse City who weren't great, just high school players. Mm-hmm. Is that why I sucked? Is it important to skate with guys who are really good to kind of up your game during the summer? I, I think so. You know, I used to skate in a more vague and widespread group and the, you know, I just don't find the skates to be as productive. Um, as you know, I mean, the game was coming, go, comes and goes pretty quick. I'm still a young person at 29, but you know, in the hockey sense, I'm not, you know, once you hit 30, I feel like you're, you feel like you're starting to get pretty darn old. And, um, you know, all that, my point being is it's nice to have that push and the edge against the guys and, you know, all those guys are pretty much within a year or two of each other, the local pros in Pittsburgh. We were drafted around the same draft class. So uh, uh, it's, a, it's a perfect group. You know, we're still pushing each other, and we understand that, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, almost I think all of us are on their 10th or 11th year already, which is crazy. So That is crazy. Well, listen, we've already talked to you, so I'm not going to bore you with all the back history. If, if our listeners want to hear that, go back and find the interview. It was a good one. We, we dove into JT's history, his illustrious upbringing, all that jazz, all the early NHL stuff. We're going to talk about recent stuff, if you're okay with that, JT. 
Yeah, of course. Open book over here. So, Oh, he is. Okay, we'll see how open he is. So last year we talked. We were coming into the season. Obviously, Vancouver hadn't produced well. You were coming off a good season. And then you just blew the doors off this year. 99 points, career highs across the board, centering the first line in Vancouver. What happened? Why was it such a – and take no offense from this. Why was it? Why did you have such a good year? I don't think anyone expected you to play bad, but 99 points, JT, midway through the year. I was saying you're the MVP. You do everything. What happened this year? Um, you know, it's, it's a good question. I, I, you know, without sounding a little arrogant, like, you know, 99 points, I, there's not a whole lot of difference between an 80 point guy and a 99 point guy. I'm like, like, it's a couple extra points here and there. It's a couple 19, extra... 19's a lot. Yeah. But power, we've got a really good power play. You know, I, I feel like I was, you know, I thought that, you know, the year, not, not last year, the, uh, the half season, the, the year before, before COVID, I kind of thought I was on, on a trajectory like this, um, I was over a point per game. I think uh, I had a pretty good chance to score 30 goals that year. Um, I know 99 is a lot. I, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that that number was even attainable. Like I, I still don't, you know, I, mean? I still can't really believe it happened. But, um, but I, I, but I think I could have been in the mid 80s or something a couple years ago. So I kind of felt comfortable with being around the point of game, you know, with the Canucks and. Like I said, like, I mean, this year, just like I said, a couple more bounces went my way, and all of a sudden, you know. It got to a, a higher number than I ever really thought that, that I could do. I could do. Well, talk about that more because that that actually is interesting. How do you feel like you're going to get a hundred points? So you feel like you you will get more points the year before. Is the game just easier because this isn't like this is your third year, right? This is like yeah. your eighth or ninth year. I don't know. Like, like I said, it's just I'm getting a huge opportunity. I mean, I play 21 minutes a night uh in every situation and it's uh an opportunity people dream about in the nhl is to play you know on the five on three on both sides you know that's it's i take a lot of pride in you know every you know situation i'm placed in and like i said i'm playing with really high-end skilled offensive players and you know things just kind of click sometimes and like i said i still can't believe we're talking about this number uh but I, I take a lot of pride in that. And, I, and if people always ask me, I try not to tell the reporters and all that because, you know, if you have one and one or one and two, it doesn't matter about how crap you played the rest of the game. You know, they think you played great. And I think I try to evaluate myself based on consistency and being effective. And I think that, you know, like, like I said a million times throughout the course of a season, is if, if I'm playing the way I'm supposed to play, I think points are going to come at, at 20 plus minutes a night. So I just, I'm worried about playing the way I'm supposed to play. Does it sting a little bit when the season's over and you see 99 and not those three digits? Well, I just keep telling everybody I didn't even play a full season. It makes me feel better. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it's like, that's most likely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And the part that sucks is I got the 99th in the first period of that last game, and you know they're ramping for the playoffs. I'm thinking they're going to take it easy on us. But, uh, they just started playing harder and harder. They actually came back in the game and tied it up. and. And when we went to overtime, I had two oh. really good chances in overtime too. And Bruce called a timeout in overtime to get me some rest. I was, I think, on twenty four or twenty five minutes that game. I almost died. It, it was, uh, yeah, it sucks. But I, <laughs> if you knew me really well, I could care less about it. It's just a number. Uh, it, it is. A, trust me, to see one more digit would have been very, very special. But I still find the double nines a pretty cool number as well. 
It's not bad. It's got a good history to it. Looking at your career and then just looking at your stats, your first seven years before you got to Vancouver, I did I, I did the numbers. You averaged just a little over 0. 0.5 points per game. And you go to Vancouver, and now you're averaging 1.1 point per game. Why? I tell you, I really do think a lot of it's opportunity. I yeah. think I've become a better player in those course of this time, but I do think that, you know, you know, I, I when I went to Van, uh, Tampa Bay, um, that was my first time playing big, big high end minutes uh, for, you know, and in from a production standpoint, had a point a game after the deadline when I went there. So I think I'm capable of that once, but I think it's opportunity. Um, you know, I was younger, I was playing, you know, anywhere from 14 to 16, you know, occasionally over that, but, you know, I, I just think I've matured a lot as a hockey player. I still have a lot of maturing to do in some areas. And uh, I feel like I just kind of, without getting too comfortable, getting comfortable with my game. And like I said, really just understanding what works for me. I think a lot of players have that. Um, and like I said, opportunity with really good players playing beside you, you know, you know, good things like that can happen, I guess. So I know you've played both center and wing over the course of your career. Can you talk a little bit about just like, what it feels like and how does, is that your preferred position and how does it affect your game when you think about the production level, your confidence level and the way that you play on the ice? You know, playing center is such an interesting thing. Like I really, I was always the fill in guy my whole career. I think I was drafted as a center, but when I got to the Rangers, you know, just to make it the lineup, you know, I wasn't getting into that center, center position. Like it just wasn't happening. So I, I, I like, there's a lot of things of both sides of the game. Um, to center to wing I, I really like like as a winger I'm very good on the four check I think because I can time the breakouts and get more speed build up and get in the right position to get the puck to get it later down the ice versus as a center but you may not have the puck as much you know because you know sometimes I feel like the you know the left or right winger the one guy could just have it the whole night and you're the guy skating but but I like having the puck I want it on my stick the whole game I think you know a lot of the you know, good players will tell you the same thing. And as a centerman, I, I really like having the puck in my own end and dispersing it on breakouts. Um, I know I talk really well with our defensemen. I feel like talking in the NHL is such a lost art these days. Uh, and I really, and I'm obviously a talkative guy. So, I mean, playing center, I, I, you know, it's, it, I understand the responsibility that comes on the defensive end. And that's a part that I'm trying to push myself to be a little better and, you know, more sound at um, on the defensive side, but, you know, there's a lot of things I like for both, but I do like the, you know, the flexibility I have as a player. I think that's been one of my – or versatility, sorry. Um, I think that's been probably my biggest attribute, you know, this whole time is that I can kind of hop in and play wherever up and down the lineup. And on the flip side of that, Pedersen's been like a, a center for most of his career. I know he was a center coming up through juniors and, and in the European leagues and everything. And obviously he shifted to the left wing on, on, your, on your line. Talk a little bit about, like, was there a conversation between the two of you and how did you see him adjust his game playing uh, the wing? Well, it's different. You know, it's funny because when we play together, uh, even the, over the last two years, I guess I've been there for three years. So the first two, he, he was the center, but I, mean, I took all the faceoffs and ended up when I lost it, you know, you're not switching. So I'm staying in defensive zone center. I, it's not a whole lot changed, to be honest. And, you know, we have, we both have a good understanding of how to play both. He obviously has played less, has less experience playing probably wing than I do. And, um, but, but he's so talented and skilled. You can pick up, pick it up at any time. And as we saw last year, I mean, the second half of the year, he was borderline unstoppable. So, uh, um, you know, he, he, he's a really good, good player. And, you know, it's a good, definitely a guy you want on your side with that much skill level he has. And, 
and you talk about all those points. I mean, if you look at, you know, half of our team stats, you know, from when we made the coaching change, the whole team started producing at a very rapid level. And, um, you know, it's definitely fun to play because like we were winning a lot more games too. So I, I want to ask you so many questions based on what you say. Let's start with this. You mentioned Pedersen. I've been his biggest critic. Tim loves him. I can't stand him. And I don't know why. Um, I, I assume he has a terrible work ethic. Um, I've questioned all that about him and, and I've never met him. It's just um, a perception I, I get from him. What changed from him from, you know, last year to, or two years ago to the second part of last year, where you mentioned he was just lights out. Cause it seemed like we got two different players. It was like, he came into the league. He was so great, so dynamic. And then maybe he read his press clippings and then, I don't know. Didn't work as hard. Said some things in the media. I didn't care for a lot of people question. Now last year, he just kind of flipped the script. What happened with him? Oh, I mean, any of the, the sensitive, touchy stuff. I mean, you'd have to ask him for yourself, but I do think that, uh, you know, I think the coaching change and like the atmosphere change, I think that was good for a lot of, uh, a lot of players, um, you know, with nothing, you know, foul towards uh, the guys, the coaches we had, obviously with Travis being our head coach. I mean, you know, Travis was great for our group, but I think the the fresh start really seemed to light a spark for, I mean, for PD especially because once Bruce got there, he was like, like we just talked about, he was so good. So I, I uh, you know, it's, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, he's been, he's such a big part of our team when he plays with that fire and, and uh, really competes, you know, he's the best player on the ice every single time. And uh, I think he knows that. And, you know, it's just, he's so young still. It's just probably going to be his fifth year, I think this year already, yeah. and, which is just crazy. And, you know, he's, you know, we have some guys on our team that are making that step into, you know, playing like first and second year guys into look like a seventh year guy. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's it's exciting. The young talent in Vancouver is what's so exciting to want to play there. So you mentioned that coaching change. Obviously, Travis Green, great coach. Nothing against him, but it wasn't working out. Things weren't clicking on the ice. Bruce comes in. Everybody knows Bruce, how he coaches. What was different? Why all of a sudden? Because usually you get that little uptick, right? New coach, everybody wants to impress him. You win the first two, three, four. I've been there. But then it starts to tail off. You go back to your usual tendencies. Why did it stick in Vancouver? You guys went on that huge road or a winning streak. You, you just made a push for the playoffs. What what was different about Bruce compared to Travis? It, you know what? At, at the beginning of the season, when Travis was there, we just couldn't win the game. Like, it didn't matter what we did. We lost. We, we've outplayed. Our team defense was in the top three or five, like almost the whole year, five on five. Um, I'm not sure how we ended up at, at the end, actually. But I know with, with Travis there, we were actually maybe leading the league at one point in team defense, five on five. Goals against was very low. We were losing every game three to two because our penalty kill gave up two goals a game. We just couldn't keep the puck out of the net. And we could kill a minute 55 of end zone time and they could shoot one from the point off of three guys. And I'm not making excuses, but it, they, they would, it, it just, we could, we were losing ad nauseum. Like we, we couldn't find a way to get it home into the house. And, you know, we started the, the year off with a three, two and one on the six game road trip. You can't ask for a better road trip, you know? So and we were just, you know, that's why I think with the shakeup was good. And then we just kind of kept, going and we kept sticking with it and we didn't have to change a whole lot you know we we didn't have to change a whole lot game plan wise and we didn't really move many players in and out of you know it was very very much of the same and I think we just bared down a little bit more our penalty kill got a lot better and I really do think that that was a big part of it I think if our penalty kill was 20th versus you know world record dead last at 60 percent or something like we would have been in a playoff spot a lot longer throughout the season 
Do you kill penalties, JT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I really like playing on the penalty kill. Um, I take a lot of pride in it. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of face-offs too, so I think that that's good is I like to have that chance to win the puck down the ice. And, you know, that's what some Bruce did when he came. He got PD on the penalty kill and some of the more skilled guys on the penalty kill. And it really suited their game. Quinn Hughes is on the penalty kill and his reads, you would never – I mean, obviously he's not a – a big shot blocking defenseman, but I tell you right now, his reads because of how good he is in the power play. I think that helps when the power play guys PK because they're, they're reads they're, they can kind of think one step ahead as if they were on the man advantage. So um, I think it's huge when the star guys kill penalties. And uh, that was a, a switch for me. When I went to Chicago, Hosa killed penalties, Taves killed penalties, keeps them in the game. Sharpie was killing penalties. How much of a difference for you, for PD, for all these guys, is it to get out there, kill the penalties, stay fresh, stay engaged in the game, rather than if it's a four-minute double minor, you sit there and you get cold? Did you have the lobby to kill penalties, or was the coach just being like, JT, you go out there, PD, you're killing penalties now, you better learn how to block shots? Yeah, no, no, I didn't have to. I've, I've done it pretty much my whole career. Um, and obviously, the order I've gotten, I've gotten them, you know, you know, for you know, more consistent role on the PK and all that, but. Um, you know, I, I understand it well, and I think I understand special teams really well, and on the power play especially. So I think I know what what I'm looking for. You know, vice versa on the PK as well. I know what they're looking for, so I think it fits my game well. And we got a, lo- a lot more aggressive with the coaching change too, and I think that really helped us because I'm not sure what we were, but I think from the trade deadline on, we were top five in the in the league in the penalty kill, and it, it really, you know, really changed the the outlook on our team. And but I completely agree. I think when your best players, I mean, that's the difference of playing you know, 18 minutes to over 20 right there, you know, two, two minutes a night on the PK. It's a couple penalty kills here and there. And, you know, like, like you were dead on, it keeps them in the game and really sharp. Is it frustrating to, to look at last season and go, gosh, we were so good. We were so good. And we just, it just, we didn't click at the right time. We weren't there. You ended the season. You're one of the best teams in the NHL the last half of the season. It's like, gosh, we stuck the first half of the year. Is it frustrating to look back and be like, we we could have been right in the mix with everybody? Yes, like, and it's frustrating because it was, you know, to put a thing one thing on it, we just couldn't kill penalties. Like, I, I keep yeah. going back to that. We had a homestand of five games, and three straight games we gave up two power play goals to lose by one, and it's just like it. It's a big deal because we, I think we were eight fifteen or eight and sixteen and two when we fired uh, fired Travis and finished forty and thirty. I mean, it just shows you right there. All we had to do, like I said, was not be – like we set a record this year for game straight goals again. It was crazy on the PKs. If we were just half of the, halfway decent, but not even that. If we just got a couple more bounces here and there, and if we were 500, you know, instead of 8 and 15, so that's – what is that? Five, six more wins, we are literally in a playoff spot, which is very frustrating, like you said. <laughs> Especially in the West where it's wide open. Colorado mm-hmm. was the only really – good team everybody thought calgary was a good team until they weren't and then it's mm-hmm. it's just wide open it's anybody's game in the west that is frustrating i went back again i, I was i was jacked up when you said you're going to come on this and i went back I'm like vancouver why, how did they construct their team since 2019 this is who you've brought in benning most of this spooner you tanner pearson tyler tofoley nate schmidt jordy ben ekman larson connor garland tyler dermott all of these fantastic players, high-end talent, great A across the board. The last three years, two times didn't make the playoffs, one time lost in the second round. 
what's going on? What the hell are we doing here? What, what, it, what needs to happen this year for that to change? Was, was a lot of it Bruce? Was a lot of it the systems or bad, bad luck on the PK, not doing the, the little things? Yeah, I think last year was just a bad start, no doubt. But I think that we have the team that could be in the playoffs. Like I expect us to be in the playoffs. I mean, um, this is not a guarantee by any means, but I, I, you know, I think we all should be expecting to be there. But with that being said, you know, you look at the, it's all about how you start the season. If you look yeah. at the, the playoff percentages of making it, you know, when you don't have a good start are very, very low. And I think from, we need to get off, you know, to a flying start, but like nothing should really change for us. You know, there's not a whole lot to change. I think we could defend harder and, um, you can always defend harder, but, you know, and, and sacrifice offense for, for defense, you know, we have one of the best goalies in the world. Yeah. Some of the, one of the best defensemen in the world and some of the best young forwards. It's, we have, you know, all the pieces, you know, we expect to be playing in April, May and June. And, and you know, we have a high standard for ourselves and, you know, I think it's going to click. I think that there's a lot of really good young players that are transferring into their second, third, fourth year and are growing up and maturing. And I think that's going to be a dangerous thing for, for other teams, because I think we're starting to be bored with the long summers. And I think guys are really going to want to play when it's, when, you know, when it matters most, especially with having hockey back playoff wise this year was awesome. So, I mean, it, it was, you know, with the crowds and no more COVID stuff and it, it was pretty awesome to watch that hockey. And then especially in Colorado there at the end, it was definitely a push to want to be back there. Oh, it's, it's electric. Uh, every every preseason when we're doing our projections, I like Vancouver has everything. They got the total recipe. Th- mm-hmm. th- this is the team to watch out for. Then, yeah, like you said, the season starts and it's just like, ah, we lost five of the first eight. What's going on? Come on, fellas, yeah. pick it up. All right. We got through the formalities. Now we're going to get into the heavy stuff, JT. The, the elephant in the room, so to speak. You're JT and Miller. You got 99 <laughs> points last season you're a centerman you're 29 years old why don't you have a seven-year contract in your back pocket making 10 schmill a year what is going on why is your gm and the president the rutherford and everybody floating your name out for trades last year the year before how can a player of your caliber of your ilk not have a long-term contract consistently be in the trade rumors every year last year we talked about the same thing you're on the trade block why i don't know if I'm a GM, I'm I'm selling everything to get you on my team. You're the prototypical player who I want. You're Patrice Bergeron, but you get more points and you're better looking. What what is it? Why? Unwrap this riddle for me, because I don't know why. Well, I as you know, I can't indulge everything here, but Yes, you um, can. We no, don't get I, many it, listeners. No, I know. <laughs> uh it, it's you know, it's a new, it's a new fit for our management. You know, it's, it's, it's new for us. Uh, they, you know, they were there for, you know, three months. So, I mean, they don't, they don't know. There's just a lot going on and, you know, they have a lot of decisions to make on a lot of players. And, you know, so far to this point, you know, with negotiations, it just, um, we're, we're not close, as close as we'd like to be. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Everybody has a vision and if, as I said from day one, if I, I want to be there, I want to be a part of this because I recognize everything that you've just said about, you know, when you do your predictions about how this team has everything it needs, you know, I recognize that and I want to be there. But that being said, if, if the, if it's not meant to be, I understand that too. And, you know, I'd like to trust me, I'd like to have 
a deal done in Vancouver and I want to be there. But at the same time, you know, I have to respect everybody's vision. And if that doesn't line up, uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. So on your exit interview, you meet with the coach, I'm assuming the GM, I'm assuming the whole, you're the, you're the face of the franchise. You meet with everybody. What do they say? We're going to negotiate this summer. Don't call us. We'll call you. What's the, what's the conversation like? Because you were, you were bandied about the trade deadline everybody's talking about you at the end of this season, all these other, I Google your name, JT. And all it comes up with is fan boards, rumor mills, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Bruins, everybody wants a piece of JT Miller. What do you say at your exit interview? It's like, we're going to make this happen. What, what do they say to you? Well, what we do a lot of talking about the season and why we aren't in the playoffs and, you know, the, the future and basically you know, we we definitely were under the impression we were going to negotiate a little bit for an extension this summer. And like I said, we did that pretty early on. And and it, like I said, it just didn't really go the way. I don't know for everybody, but obviously not for me. Like we didn't we didn't really find happy ground there. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot going on. I mean, like I said, the the with Patrick and and Jim, you know, they haven't been here long. They have a lot of hard decisions to make and. You know, and then they had the draft right away. And then for agency, it's been a kind of a crazy thing. And everything that on the internet that, you know, the media drove themselves crazy all summer. I mean, how, there was nothing real on the internet all summer. Um, there was every time a team pops up, you know, every time somebody said something, you know, 99% of that was not real. It's, it's, a, it's a rumor, Bill. And when you play in Vancouver, it's a nonstop. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was traded to the Penguins 20 times this summer. I don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> so I, uh, it, it, there's a lot of BS going on with the internet and all that. And that's mainly the reason I don't have any of it. So, um, yeah, it, it is, it is what it is. I mean, there's a lot of, and I, and I think to your point, there's a lot of tier, a handful of teams out there where, yeah, I would probably be a good fit. So, you know, so somebody posts something and then it just catches like wildfire, you know? So, I mean, I want to be in Vancouver. That's all I can tell you. I hope it works out. But at the same time, as a business for my side and their side. And I think they understand that. And I, I certainly understand that too. Listen, you're a good fit anywhere. Like, let's be honest. You're a good fit any team. Is, is it frustrating to you or distracting? You're trying to get prepared for the season. You, this is the last year on your contract. You want to put your best foot forward if something does happen. You guys make a run, you go into the playoffs, and you're in UFA. You got to be playing your best. Is it distracting to you this offseason when Jim Rutherford's being quoted he's like if we can't sign him then we'll, we'll do the best to put him in a place where he's going to go but it won't be here in vancouver that's not a vote of confidence it's him planning for the future without his best player you is it tough to kind of focus on what you need to do in front of you when there's just it must be insane for you kid on the way all this distractions is it is it tough to hear that all the time it's been a lot i'm not gonna lie yeah um but I, I understand this is uh, you kind of want this to happen, I guess, you know, you rather have this, it, it, you know, I try to take the good and bad. I mean, it's, it's, these are all good problems. That's how I'm looking at it. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be next to impossible to not be a hundred percent focused on the task when you have your, you know, your livelihood and career on the line. It's going to seem like a nightly basis, especially in Vancouver. If I don't score the first game of the year, they're going to want to light my Jersey on fire. You know what I mean? So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot. So I try to stay out of it as much as I can. I spend time with my kids and not on the internet, checking Twitter. And you know, it is what it is. It really is what it is. I got to respect their vision. Um, you know, I can't speak on behalf of what that may be. And 
it's I'm just there to help my team win again in the playoffs. And if you know a day comes along where they say, "Hey, you're not a part of this team anymore," I'll live with that and I can move on. But until that happens, I have a goal, and that's being the you know try to be one of the you know the best players every night on that team and just kind of keep going what we've been building the last couple of years. Because I, like I said, it's you know when I got there, the expectations were high, and then they shifted a little bit with the crazy world that was going on around us and. And now I think we understand what we're capable of, and I think we need to keep that momentum. And if we do keep that momentum going into this year, I think we're going to be a playoff team. So, you guys have what you you are a cup contender if everybody plays to their potential. Like that's that's a scary thing about Vancouver. If you guys put it together, a cup contender, hands down. You have strong defense, high end forwards, world class goaltender. I don't know what you guys don't have. So that's the scary part. One more, a couple couple more trade things. I, I'm fascinated by this. I, I was traded twice in my career. Once for um, nothing and another time for Jared Tenorti, who is – he's yeah. not great. He's not great. What's it? What's the, the protocol? Because you, you got dealt before to Tampa Bay. Did you have a conversation with Stevie before you went to Tampa? Because he paid a, a pretty price, price for you and Ryan McDonough, who was on the show last week, friend of the show, Ryan McDonough. Is there a conversation there? It's like, okay, we're trading for you. Will you intend to sign here after you know we trade for you, just like the Kachuk trade to Florida? Was there any conversation had with Tampa before you went there? Um, no. I was on the airplane going, ironically, to Vancouver when I got found out I was traded uh, mid-flight. Um, we had a flight at 1 o'clock or something, and the deadline is obviously at 3, so we were halfway to Vancouver and found out that way. Um, I had an idea going into the summer of, uh, the Tampa trade to Vancouver that that was when we got swept by Columbus and, you know, me making, you know, five, two, five on that team was going to be tough to attain. And, you know, Julian Breezewell told me man to man, you know, I, I can't promise you what's going to happen. So I said, well, you know, I appreciate that. And, and was moved right before or during the draft second day. Um, so uh, that wasn't a complete surprise. Um, where to, I guess, was more of a surprise. And then, uh, you know, but obviously now, I mean, you know, for I guess if I were to get traded now, I think teams would probably want to know if I'd be willing to come there. It's different now than when I was younger. Um, yeah. But like I said, there hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, in my mind, I don't think there's been a whole lot of talk anyway. So Hypothetical. How many first rounders? Is JT Miller get? Come on. <laughs> what? Four? I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just if stinking Hagel gets two, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you yeah. get at least four. No, I don't know. All right. Moving on. We'll we'll get away from the trade. We'll we'll focus more on this coming season. As I was doing my research, I noticed your your picture in the program back in your days in Hartford. Happy, smiling, excited to be there. New York, again, little wry smile, maybe a little cocky grin. Who knows what JT's thinking? Tampa, maybe a little more serious. Vancouver, just upset. Just like, I don't want to be here. What happened from happy JT in Hartford to just like all business JT in Tampa Bay and Vancouver? What, what happened? It's the same face. It's just changed over time. <laughs> That's my half. My, if I have a straight face on, that means I'm happy, grinning ear to ear. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's it, we're playing a it's we're playing the greatest job in the world, but it, it's it's business. It's more. I think just naturally, it just comes with every camp I go to. I just get a little bit more fired up and a little bit more ready. And uh, so when you take the stupid mug shots, I think it it's probably it. When you're younger, you're like holy hell, I'm here. You know, I'm doing it now. This is going to be fun. But I think we all know that when you get there, right before that picture, you're about to go through grueling testing. <laughs> Nobody really looks forward to that. So. So we we teased out the interview on on social media and you had lots of Vancouver Canucks fans asking questions and things they want to know. One name that kept coming up over and over again was this kid. I'm going to butcher the name. Pod Colson is it mm-hmm. the, the rookie, right? Um, yeah, very excited young player for the Canucks. They're all asking about like what do you, what do you see in his game and what's kind of the future for him? Yeah, I, I've said it this year. Um, he, he's got like I mean unlimited potential. It's it's crazy. He could be the most powerful skater on the ice, have the most powerful shot on the ice. Very humble young kid. He is wants to learn. First guy on, last guy off at the age of whatever, 2021. 20, he I mean, he's physically engaged. He's built like a man already. Uh they're, they're like the sky's the limit. You know, his biggest thing is the you know, the language barrier and he, you know, but he's learned a lot and how much he learns this last year. I sit next to him in the room and I'm constantly busting him up. And um, it's, he's just a great kid. And not one guy doesn't like being around him. And, you know, like I I mean, I think everybody feels the same way. I mean, he's just a little more opportunity, a little more understanding of the small ice and the, and I, I think just being around the English language a little bit more, this guy's going to be an unbelievable player. And I, I don't know what the, the top end is, but I think it's really high. And I, I think he's going to score a lot of goals in the National Hockey League. Now, why is it the language? You mentioned talking on the ice, how it's a lost start. Tell everyone why it's such a big deal. Why why him not knowing the language is, is such a big deal on and off the ice? There's just so much communicating on a you know a play-to-play. And it's just if, if you're not communicating in general, let alone speaking another language, I think it could really make you one step behind and make you think a little harder. And if you're thinking, you know, you're slow. And, and if you're slow in the NHL nowadays, you know, good luck. So it's, I think it's all that just playing faster and, you know, being one step ahead. I think it's hard to do that when one, it's your first year, you're learning the NHL Two, you, you know, the language isn't all there. And, you know, three of the new systems in general. So there's a lot of things that he's learned and you could see him pick it up as the year went on. He just got so, so much more comfortable and uh, I mean, it, it, he's going to be scary. I mean, I just think he he could score goals any ways he wants, and and he's a terrific, terrific kid. And you know, I'm glad I get to sit next to him in the room. He's awesome. Another player I want to ask about is Quinn Hughes, who just you know broke into the league a couple of years ago and just shot up. He's a a super talented young kid, and I think maybe he took some criticism for maybe the defensive side of the ice at certain points. And then you see him last year going from, not that it's a perfect step, but plus minus goes from minus 24 to plus 10. He puts up career high numbers with 68 points. How have you seen him like adjust his game and kind of grow into being an elite defenseman in the NHL? Yeah, just kind of growing. And, you know, I think he really takes a lot of pride in the defensive zone. Uh, he's not a guy that lives and dies by his points. I think when he's playing well and, you know, when he's, the, you know, he can be take over the game at any point, you know, he's going to get his points. Um you know, being on our power play, I think we have a really good power play. He's really good on that. Um, but his defensive game this year, like he just he can outskate anybody, and he's just smarter than everybody. And you don't have to be crazy physical and mean back there anymore. You know, as long as you can skate and have a good stick and outthink the guy next to you. I mean, those are all of his best qualities. Is you know how smart he is, and he's three steps ahead and can skate like the wind. 
uh, he just his defensive game was really really strong this year and you know like I said he played in the, pop, the penalty kill a little bit and you know his reads out there were great and you know you know he's one of our best players if not you know our best player and you know we need him and he's another guy that you know even myself like we got to take the next step in our careers just to be that much a little bit better and if everybody gets a little bit better it's going to be a should, should be a good team you fought Matthew Kuchuk two years ago right off the draw 40 seconds into the game you guys just scored to make it one nothing I think it was hockey night in Canada why 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 did you guys fight uh I think we both were coming off of uh bad road trips I know they were on the road still but I yeah. think that we, so I was kind of planning on the game getting a little you know I'm good for like a fight a year I get my one five and I get out of there maybe yeah. two but like I was planning on you know maybe entertaining it a little bit and then we scored so I'm like oh Whew. I'm like, all right, we don't have to do it tonight. And ironically enough, we go to that draw and he, he, cause they got scored on after another bad little thing there. I could be wrong. I think we were both playing bad at the time, but he, he asked me and I said, no. And I was like, but, and, but by the time it clicked, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, sure. Like, and it was just super quick, super quick thing. The crowd was rocking. It was kind of one of those moments where you're already amped up. You know, we hadn't won a, won a game in a while, I think. And we were, looking for a jump. So I think the timing was good. There's, you know, nothing, no bad blood about it at all. No, not at all. You mentioned earlier something that kind of caught me off guard. You talk about your maturation. Now you still have some things you need to mature on to grow into. You've been in the league for almost 10 years. What, what do you have to grow at? Like, what is, what are you not mature at? Well, I just think keeping my emotions in check on a more, consistent level i think like i'm a very very fiery guy yeah. I, and i play on a very very sharp edge so it's i'm always on the brink of you know getting too frustrated or worked up or you know it's but at the same time that brings the absolute best out of me so it's just because i'm dropping f-bombs or you know breaking a stick here and there it doesn't mean i'm checked out it means i'm just in a weird way i'm into it yeah. At the same time, I understand I can't be doing that and I can't be showing that. And I want to get that out of my game, but it's going to be almost impossible to eliminate it to play the way I want to play. Because when I'm a, a church mouse out there, I feel like I'm not even relevant and that's not how I want to play the game. But at the same time, I know that I'm a leader on the team and leading by example is something I really take pride in. So I've got to make sure that keeping my emotions in check a little more often, staying engaged a little bit more often and I would say just the defensive side. I think that all centers that are want the puck to go the other way the, all, the whole game, I think think about defense, you know, a little bit more and just be more engaged and, you know, win more battles in the defensive zone. I think that I think anybody would tell you that they'd like to do that more. But, but um, I mean, those two things, I think I, you know, I'd like to mature. I'm always learning, you know, I'm, I'm on the ice early a lot. And yeah. I try to challenge myself and have the, uh, you know, never satisfied attitude, I guess. So that's the plan. You're going to be a centerman the rest of your career. No more going back to the wing. I don't know. That's the thing is when they, whatever they need, it doesn't matter to me. I, I still think I'm going to take faceoffs, and I, I like taking draws. So as long as I'm taking draws, but I really don't care. I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either way. Um, whatever gives us a better chance to win at the end of the game. Um, I think something we've learned over the last couple of years is going on a winning streak and going on a losing streak is a hell of a lot different. So I'm uh, I'm all in for the winning side of things. I wasn't sure I was going to ask this question, but. You're just you're so open. I'm I'm gonna ask it. You get traded to Vancouver from Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. 
Was it tough to see their their success after you left the two cups? Were you a little happy when they lost last year? <laughs> um, to be honest, no. I I was I know so many of the guys well on that team and some good friends and guys like Mac. To see him finally win after yeah. all the crap he's been through, losing in the NHL, like in the play in the playoffs. The guy's got like two hundred playoff games, so yeah. I don't feel that bad. But he's uh, I was so pumped. I, I joke about it all the time. I'm like, yeah. I texted so many guys how happy I was for them after the first one. I'm like, haha, nice job. And then you know, the next year they win. I'm like, all right, guys, cut the shit. Like we're done here. Like <laughs> so, that's enough. You know, that's enough. No, no. But I, I've never once felt that way because at the same time, you know, when I got to come to Vancouver, I was given a d- different opportunity, and my career's kind of taken another path from there. So I mean, take what you want. You know, everybody wants to win a cup. I I would have done anything to be a part of those teams, trust me. But at the same time, I've built some, started building something here. And, you know, I'm happy with that. And, you know, I'm very happy with the, the group there. That group is very deserving. I feel like ever, ever since John Cooper got to Tampa, they've had a chance to win every single time. So I'm happy for them. Kind of a heartbreaker for the three-peat this year. But, you know, Colorado's that team that, uh, yeah, as you know. so Yeah, they were on a mission. All right, a couple more, and then we'll let you go. I know you got to pick your girls up from camp. Or daycare, or what is it? It's a uh, summer. It's, it's like a daycare, but they they we can kind of take them as we need. Blah blah blah. And with that, my wife uh, started up an interior design business this year, so she's uh, been busy with that. And how is that to- going? Is that based out of Vancouver? Is that just gangbusters? No, I'm, I'm in her office now. She just got it going this year, and she's doing great. She's obviously getting pregnant. It's been a little stall stall out for her to get to get to see some more clients, but um, she loves it. What kind of clothes or like interior design for big houses? I mean, houses. House, okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, we're building a new house. I mean, has to call you up. All right, one more question or a couple more. I don't know how many Tim has. What's so? What's it going to take year and term to get JT Miller signed in Vancouver? It's just a, a soft one at the end. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what? Uh, I'm not. Like, even, is it I'm a not, double not, digit number? <laughs> I am not. I, yeah. I'd be a terrible agent. <laughs> oh, maybe you wouldn't be. I don't know. Maybe it would go quickly. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even remotely indulging into that question. My agent. All right, <laughs> Tim. You got anything else? Yeah, just one more. Um, one of the questions we kept getting to was asking about the Sedines, who now are working with the front office. They're working in player development. Have you seen them hanging around with the kids on the team? Are they are they part of like the practices at all? Are they kind of doing their own thing with the kids in like in AHL and juniors? What, what have you seen from them? Yeah, they were around a pretty good bit last year. Um, they didn't come on the ice with us at all. And I'm, to be honest with you, I'm slightly arrogant to not knowing 100% what they were doing with the other guys. But, um, you know, I know they watched a lot of hockey last year. Like, they watched a lot of our practices and spent a lot of time around the rink and, you know, read a ton of games. So um, I want to say they were in, you know, spending a lot of time in Abbotsford as well. But uh, they never came on the ice uh, with, with our team, though, which, uh, you know, I'd really like to spend some time on the ice with them because of how – how many times they embarrassed me when I came into the league, you know, they, they definitely take credit for sending me to the minors a few times. And, you know, they're, uh, you know, two of the best that ever played. So, uh, and they're really nice guys. You know, I, I know that Bo and a couple of the older guys, you know, Sutter, the guys that are still there got to play with them and, uh, you know, they speak the world of them. They're world-class people. Now, I don't know if you know this JT, but I made the all-star game in my last year. Um, won the MVP, only two people I think have won the MVP and then retired me and Greg, Wayne Gretzky. No big deal. 99. Uh, the amount of points you got last year. Um, I sat next to Henrik in the dress room at the all-star game. Um, my build up to that was kind of chaotic. I don't know if you followed that. 
I didn't know who he was when he sat next to me. He sat next to me. I knew he was a Sedine. I had to give her the old look at the nameplate and go, Hey Henrik, how's it going? Can you see him walking towards you and be like, that's Henrik, that's Daniel. So uh, I'm going to be hundred percent honest. I can tell the two apart, but I don't, I still don't know which one, the which. Well, it doesn't do anything then. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I just, Useless. Mr. Sedin. I know you're different, Yeah, but I don't know what you <laughs> No, I, I swear, I every time I got to ask Bo, I'm like, Henrik? He's like, no. I'm like, no. Well, I, I can tell they're, I honestly, I think like they look different. Like I can tell them apart totally. But... I have twins, identical, and they're mirrored. So I can tell by, like one has their hair starting out of the right side and one has the hair starting out of the left side. So I can tell them like, okay, Sophia, you're on the right. That's you. So that's the only way I can tell them apart. And their voices are a little off, but that's funny. You prove my point though. One, I'll just say, no, I won't say it. Cause I always say people get hired by their old teams and it's just a total joke. They just go there to collect a paycheck and they don't do anything. And as you're saying this with Daniel and Henrik, I'm like, they don't do anything. They just go and watch the game and drink wine and they don't do a thing. And it's that you prove my point. I, I don't want you to say anything and get in trouble in Vancouver, but all these like hirings, like, oh, Lidstrom's going here. The Sedins are hired on here. All these guys, they don't do a thing. They never do anything. They just go there, punch in, punch out, get my paycheck, down a six pack. I'll see you next game. They're not in Abbotsford. You crazy? They're not going to Abbotsford. They might like do, they might work with the guys every once in a while. Those guys got more money. They know what to do with. You think they're, they're going down to Abbotsford, JT? I don't think so. You're back don't answer- to a corner. Don't answer that. <laughs> Anything else, Tim? No, man. This is great. Thank you for coming on back on. And I oh, want to like- have a good start next year, JT. Thanks again, man. Do you have any questions for us? Uh, you guys are a delight to talk to. I, I Listen, coming on is no, uh, no big deal for me. I enjoy it every time. And uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, JT Mill, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.